countries, cities, and communities around the world are going through various degrees of isolation, closures, and quarantines. Every day, there's new announcements, school closings, prohibitions on large meetings. Today, it was just announced by the White House that people shouldn't gather in groups of 10 or more for at least two weeks to try to limit the spread of the virus. I'm Mae Cannon. This is Hashtag Activism. Today we'll be talking about the global pandemic of the coronavirus or COVID-19 and how it intersects with racism. How is COVID-19 affecting the world? How should we be responding to the spread of the disease, to the fear, the instability, the disruptions COVID-19 has caused already? It's certain to have devastating effects on individuals and communities who are already under-resourced. These are important questions Christians and churches should be asking. How might our responses to COVID-19, particularly here in the United States, be racist? Since late 2019, COVID-19 has infected tens of thousands of people around the world. It originated in Wuhan, China, and it spread throughout Asia, Europe, the United States, and other parts of the world. So how in the world does all this relate to racism? And how might our responses to COVID-19 in the U.S. be racist? The Asian American community is one of the most prominent groups that's being affected by the stigmatism associated with the virus of COVID-19. In a recent article published by NBC, health policy researcher Matthew Lee writes about the stigmatism he experienced when he sneezed on a train. Someone next to him had been polishing their nails and the smell of the fumes made him sneeze. He wouldn't think that's a very big deal. And he writes about how almost immediately he went from being viewed as a model minority to yellow peril, just in a matter of seconds. You'll hear more about this type of experience in a few minutes from the author and activist Kathy Kong, as she tells us what it's been like for her during this time of COVID-19 as a Korean American woman. Fear, if not addressed in healthy ways, unsheds the layers of what we truly believe about people and others. If we have underlying racist ideas about people of color, they come to the surface when individuals or society are under stress or strain. We saw this in the past with SARS, and we see it today with COVID-19. People fear things that come from foreign places, quote, unquote. Interestingly, Time Magazine just published a piece called Why President Trump Wants to Frame COVID-19 as a Foreign Disease. The author, David Bennett, concluded that President Trump often resorts to blaming foreigners. Whenever something's wrong, we blame the other, the foreigner, the alien. If you're white, you might blame the person of color. And we build a wall around ourselves to protect ourselves from them. What's important to know about COVID-19 is that the isolation of people groups can very easily perpetuate negative stereotypes, which can lead to the rejection of individuals or groups, which can lead to denials of healthcare, education, or even housing or employment. The isolation of people groups can also perpetuate negative stereotypes that can even lead to physical violence and death. As we hear President Trump identify COVID-19 as a foreign disease, may I remind us that xenophobia, the hatred and fear of others, is defined as dislike of or prejudice against people from other countries. Xenophobia is expressed when someone has hatred towards foreigners, foreigners who are bringing, quote, a foreign disease, end quote, to us. These are some of the negative stereotypes being applied to Asian Americans today, and that 
is nothing short of racism. As we delve into the question of the intersection of COVID-19 and racism, let's listen to this interview with Kathy Kong. Kathy's a speaker, a journalist, and activist. She's worked in campus ministry for more than 20 years with expertise in issues of gender, ethnicity and justice, and leadership development. She's a columnist for Sojourners Magazine, a writer for Faith and Leadership, co-author of More Than Serving Tea, and the author of Raise Your Voice. You know, I'm relatively young and healthy, uh, but I have developed a cold. And I was in my car blowing my nose and caught the eyes of a driver across the street. And normally that's not a big deal, but as I was driving through the intersection, the man rolled his window down and proceeded to yell and point at me. And I want to assume the best and give that person the benefit of the doubt, but in that moment I could not stop thinking is he yelling at me because he sees an Asian American woman blowing her nose in the car? And I know that there may be listeners who are thinking, Kathy is totally overreacting. (laughs) But I feel like in this current situation where even though this is an international global pandemic, I keep hearing on different newscasts, as well as see different politicians continue to connect the origins of this current pandemic to China, that for Asian Americans, we're living in a different situation in relationship to COVID-19. Today is the 16th, which means um, Tuesday, tomorrow, is the primary here in my home state. And I normally serve as an election judge. And I'm, you know, one of the younger election judges. I'm not retired. I am a stay-at-home mom. And so I see this as kind of a civic duty that I'm able to do. And I have made the decision, and it was a hard one, to not work tomorrow as an election judge, in part made because I have this runny nose, and the post-nasal drip is making me cough, and um, I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to make other people uncomfortable, but I don't feel comfortable as an Asian American woman living in a predominantly white community serving as an election judge. I don't want other people to feel comfortable and I don't want to have to deal with the looks and have to keep assuming that it's just because I'm sniffling and has nothing to do with the fact that I'm Asian American. So, you know, that's how it's live. (laughs) Right. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I was on a train and I was coming back from New York City to D.C. Mm-hmm. And a young college student came on the train. Um, he was an international student. Um, and it ends up he is from China. And mm-hmm. his family is actually from the area near where the virus originated. And he asked me on the train. We ended up – he sat next to me and we talked between New York and Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was so respectful and so kind. But he said to me, do you think people – People will not want to talk to me because I'm Chinese. Mm. And this was two weeks ago. And I just said, 
absolutely not. No, mm. you know, I mean, I, I was, I, and I don't think I was dismissive. I mean, we had a deep, meaningful conversation, but I would have answered that question so differently now, two weeks later. I wonder mm. how he's doing yeah. and what his current reality is because he was afraid two weeks ago before everything shut down, you know, every day we're getting news about, you know, don't meet with more than 10 people at a time, that kind of thing. And so help those of us who are not Asian American and those myself included who are white, help us understand what that reality is like. I mean, what, what does, how do you respond to that? I mean, you talked a bit about your experiences and your feeling, but do you see that as racism? Absolutely. And and it's challenging because, right, the, the situation that I faced in the car, I don't know. And so people will say, well, you can't assign intent. But I can say I have had other racist experiences. And because of this current climate in which there is a lot of questioning around racism across the board, and then specifically now because of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, Asian Americans have been concerned from the moment this virus was named and made publicly known. I mean, things shut down in China and maybe they shut down too late, but I just remember all of the stories around um, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year celebrations shutting down. And yet here in the U.S., just this past weekend, there were photographs of people bar hopping around St. Patrick's Day. And the majority of those folks were white bar hopping in the middle of this pandemic, right? So even as things were beginning to explode in Wuhan, this national celebration is shut down. And here we're in the middle of an international pandemic and people are just kind of going about their business. And I feel like most of my Asian American friends are like, oh, no way. That could not happen. Like we can't be out on the streets behaving that way. So yes, I feel like the reality is there is an anti-Asian American racism that Asian Americans are facing. And maybe for some of us, we haven't really dealt with that in recent times. I don't know. I mean, it really depends on where you live, what your exposure is, how you look at these instances and incidents, how you perceive them. You can you know, continue to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think what's challenging, I just spoke with a group of students at Hope College a few weeks ago around the myth of the model minority. And it's a tricky dance that we as Asian Americans have had to choose how to live out, right? That model, the myth of the model minority is really designed to make us the wedge against our brown and black siblings because we are supposed to be like the good immigrants. We are the good people of color. You know, we are educated, we value school, we get good grades, we go to college and all that kind of stuff. And so I do think that the flip side to that is when we do start recognizing the racism against our communities, we do as a community also have to kind of check ourselves. Have we recognized the racism that other communities of color have faced and continue to face? And will we be allies to them 
when COVID-19 is, you know, is in the past and we've all gotten over this current situation. I think one of the other things that's important for listeners to understand is that the racism is deeply rooted in history. So Mm -hmm. you talked about this idea of model minority, and I'll talk a bit about yellow peril and Mm -hmm. this idea where Asian Americans identified not as individual people groups, Japanese Americans or Korean Americans or Chinese Americans, but as one lump sum peril. And when there's disease or harm or ill things, those being attributed toward Asian Americans being a deeply rooted historic idea in American history. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So in that regard, if people want to respond constructively to COVID-19, particularly with this lens of being Mm anti-racist, what do we do? So I have appreciated early on, there were calls to action around, you know, going to Asian, Asian American restaurants and stores owned by Asians and Asian Americans to support their businesses because people were feeling like, oh, that's kind of the first easy avoidance and the kind of the level one racism that people will show is to just avoid Asian Americans, Asians when possible. But I would say to be actively and intentionally anti-racist. I would love to see particularly my siblings of faith do the work of educating themselves around the history of racism against Asian Americans, to do some reading and research. There are some great resources you can Google, (laughs) and I can share with you, and you can put it in the show notes, a couple book suggestions. I would recommend, off the top of my head, The Making of Asian America by Erica Lee. I think that's a great kind of historical, broad view. If you want something that's maybe gives a different viewpoint and is a different genre, it would be American Born Chinese by Jean Yang. But really, Google. You know, all you need to do is like Google Asian American history. And for listeners to do some of that work and then look into what is currently happening in Asian American culture. It's not so long ago. It was just in January. Parasite, a Korean film that won Best Picture. That was a huge deal And yet there were still so many people who said they had not seen it because they don't like movies with subtitles. And so that's not even just about, right, Asian Americans. That's just across the board internationally, particularly for those of us in the U.S. where you can't assume that people will pick up a second language with any degree of fluency. So, yeah, so I would say do the work. Don't go out with the, I want to make a new Asian American best friend. If you have somebody who you're already in relationship, that would be fabulous. You know, learn, ask questions, be mindful that that person might not want to be your Google. But there's so much out there that people can actually learn about anti-racism work and then apply. So what can we do in response to COVID-19? And how can we be sure that our responses are anti-racist? 
When you heard Kathy's story of being stared at and yelled at when she was in the car, one of the first thoughts you might have is, that's pretty harmless. That's why I want us to take a few minutes to talk about how stigma and negative stereotypes can be so detrimental and are often forms of overt racism. Stigma can have negative effects. Let's be really attentive to this and do everything that we can to counter it. Let's be sure that we pay attention to the stigma being experienced by persons of Asian descent, by people who've traveled, and by emergency responders or healthcare professionals who are seeking to respond to the illness. According to the Center for Disease Control, public health emergencies, such as the outbreak of the coronavirus in 2019, are stressful for people, for communities. Fear and anxiety about a disease can lead to social stigma towards people, places, or things. Stigma hurts everyone by creating fear or anger towards other people. We should raise awareness about COVID-19, but let's do so without increasing fear. Be sure to share accurate information when you talk about the virus and how it spreads. We must speak out against negative behaviors, including negative statements on social media about groups of people or the exclusion of people who pose no risk from regular activities. Let's also be cautious about the images that we share and make sure we don't reinforce negative stereotypes. We should be encouraged to engage with people groups that are stigmatized through media channels, including the news media and social media. Let's remember to thank our healthcare workers and to thank those who are responding. Let's thank people who've traveled to areas where the COVID-19 outbreak's happening because they're performing valuable service that will help everyone to make sure the disease doesn't spread further. This might be hard to do in the next few weeks, but once things open back up, go to your local Asian restaurants. One of the most effective ways we can actively be anti-racist is to learn. Learn by reading. Read new books. Pick up Kathy's book, Raise Your Voice. It's a great place to start. I have other resources and recommendations in the notes to this episode on my website at maycannon.com or on my Facebook page. Listen to a podcast. Watch a movie that'll expand your horizon or understanding of Asian cultures. These are just some of the many positive things that we can do as we seek to be anti-racist in our responses to COVID-19. Much of the content from our conversations during episodes of Hashtag Activism come from my upcoming book, Beyond Hashtag Activism, Comprehensive Justice in a Complicated Age, out with InterVarsity Press on May 26th. You can pre-order your copy today at a local bookstore like heartsandmindsbooks.com or wherever books are found.